and welcome to the People Perfect Podcast, the show that explores all the ins and outs of the challenges and opportunities HR, people managers, and all people face at work every day. My name is Julie Devlin, and I'm here with my laughing co-host. <laughs> Jess Fields, Julie. <laughs> I can't yes, help but laugh. Jess, I've got to go what first. Made, what made you smile today? Go ahead, go Jess. First, Julie. <laughs> so what a lot of people don't know is we do this in one take uh, every every episode, but typically Julie and I share a, a really good laugh before, and, and Julie <laughs> just cracked me up because we're talking about home improvements, mm-hmm. and, and Julie's been doing a bunch, and we're doing some stuff here at my house in Texas, and, and Julie just looks at me and goes, Chaz, you know what really upsets me? And I'm like, what? And she goes, I just spent a bunch of money on new gutters and I returned from vacation and I don't even see a difference. And I'm like, and you spent a bunch of money. <laughs> I'm just, it's yeah, so but, true. Like, like welcome to home ownership. <laughs> I know, but here's the thing. Like, yeah, I got back and I was like, I like almost forgot that I even got new gutters installed <laughs> because why would you even think about your gutters, right? <laughs> well, you well, didn't change the color. You literally no, just got no, new gutters. No, I literally just got new gutters. So I, I, you know, it was like it was like a couple hours after I was home. I was like, oh yeah, I got new gutters installed while while I was away. So I go outside and I look at the gutters, and I had this, I had this visceral. No, I had this visceral thought of like. Wow, that's really a bummer. Like oh, they look the same, I, oh. but you know, obviously they're more functional. And uh. yes, Chad, I splurged and I got the leaf guard. Oh um, man, you know so. <laughs> so, but like I can't see that, right? Like I want to see the leaf guard, but I can't. I think I'm gonna climb up to the roof later. I I, I, know. I know what I'm gonna get you for your birthday, Jules. Yeah, I'm have to get you a camera that you can stick up no, there drone, and see like the front drone. of. You. Oh yeah. man. Okay, now, now but, you're getting bougie. So but I know, but but you know, like I think to myself, Chaz, and this is giving folks a little bit of an insight into who we are. I'm like, well, what really should I expect? Should I expect my gutters to be bedazzled? Should I expect <laughs> should I expect diamonds on my gutters? Right. It's like, what should I expect? Oh, They're man. functional. That's really what I'm looking for. That's the joys <laughs> of home ownership. Yeah, compared to the ones I had before. So anyway. Julie, what made you smile aside from this? Well, I will say this to the audience. We know you're not here to hear about our home improvement uh, That's right. uh, issues. Uh, so thank you for indulging us. But yeah. Uh, what made me smile? Um, you know what made me smile, Chaz? My gutters made me smile because they are new and they are functional and I am happy to have them. Well, I'm so <laughs> proud of you that you're proud of home improvements that you're yes. doing, Jules. So, yes. uh, you know what? Here's the deal. We always say we're going to get better at these segues. I don't have a better segue <laughs> other than we're going to talk about the business stat of the yeah, day. Yeah, but Chaz, <laughs> what made you smile? Was it my story? Yeah, it was your story. 100%. I mean, clearly, if I'm laughing at this point. So, um, um, here's the deal. Business stat of the day. On the last business day of April, the job openings level uh, and rate increased to a high of 9.3 million, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, and this was on June 8th. Now, we mentioned the the April statistic in the past. It, it's raised a significant amount. And this is up a million jobs, Julie, a million yeah, from the month from, before. From the month before. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, so if you're listening now, now we're, we're recording this a little bit early, but if you're listening to this now, we know that those numbers have changed. But Julie, because we're recording this a little early, what do you think uh, your guess is on the future numbers? <sighs> My future, the future numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that when we see the next jobs report, I actually think that those numbers are going to increase. I think we're going to see more than 9.3 million job openings on the next jobs report. Would you agree? um, I think they're going to decrease. You Um, do? Yeah, I I do. Or it's going to be really, really close to the same. Hmm. So we've got a lot of businesses, um, you know, trying to play catch up. Right. We've got a lot of businesses that are trying to get jobs filled so they can play catch up and, and generate some revenue. Uh, but I, I, I do think at some point we've got to find a, a closer spot to the equilibrium, you know, than than it continuing to go, go and go and go. But I, I let's be real. I could com- I could be completely wrong. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think I think these numbers are going to increase. And I think part of the reason they're going to increase is because the the disruption and the pandemic has actually caused new jobs to form. Sure. So there true. are, yeah. So there are m- more jobs available and there are just less people to fill those jobs. So, yeah. but I'll tell you what might be fun, you know, in a future episode, we can kind of make a bet here. You know, I say they're, I say they're going to increase. You say they're going to decrease. So uh, we can uh, do a friendly wager for, for lunch or dinner next time uh, that yeah. we're together in person. Let's do it for August. We'll, we'll play right. it for August. So, so Julie, I, I guess, like, what does it all mean? How did we get here? We know the pandemic was part of it. Where do we go? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the pandemic was definitely part of it. Um, right. How do we get here? Well, I think the, the way that we got here uh, is probably something that most HR and business professionals know, which is, you know, a lot of companies shut down. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of companies furloughed people. They laid people off. Um, they did reductions in force, you know. So the question is, okay, now that we are opened up again, mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we how do we move forward? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we're going to have a have a talk around this today. Yeah, it's 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 companies are now trying to operate like like a successful startup where it's just ramping back up. We go away from massive layoffs uh, when companies open up quickly, or the companies that continued to stay open. It was a mad rush to get product or service out the door, right? And and we talked about this before, but those who lost their jobs, you know, may have found different priorities or resurfaced. We talked about the Great Resignation in the yep. bonus episode. Um, so so. We're pushing towards um, faster business and, and new jobs, but again, I'm not, I'm going to take the the under or staying yeah. the same. Yeah. So you know, you mentioned those who lost their jobs or, or switched careers might have found different priorities during this right. time, during this time. And I'll just uh, I'll just say, you know, I I, I write for the Sherm blog, um, and I re- I recently did uh, a blog regarding this, and what I talked about in this was the concept of time. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about flexible work, we talk about work life uh, negotiation, work life balance, but do we talk about what time really means to employees? Hmm. So I think that during this time, there have been shifts in our society. There have sure. been shifts in our culture. There have been individual shifts in folks, and I think that what they might have prioritized prior to March 2020 may no longer be a priority. Mm. So I think this is definitely something that we need to think about. And, you know, I think this is a pretty good, uh, we'll do our little, this is our segue, because we're (laughs) bad at doing that. 
Um, you know, all of these job openings. Well, Chaz, it means that we have to hire some people, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does because I need to win this bet and get to that equilibrium point, right? Uh, but the, the, you know, that leads us to the great starting point for today's topic. Let's talk about recruitment. Okay, this is huge right now. Uh, and something, you know, I'm going to claim this publicly. I claimed it on several other talks that I've done elsewhere, but it's the nuclear war on talent. And like, oh man, well, we heard the war on talent. No, I think, you know, because of the numbers and what we're experiencing, it's now the nuclear war. Cause I really couldn't think of anything worse than, you know, nuclear. Um, so, so that's what I'm claiming is, yeah. is it's now the nuclear war on talent. So what All are right. recruiters going to do? You can have that. I just trademarked it to you. And, Thank you, you know, we could do a whole podcast series on this one topic alone, but I think we're going to discuss some ins and outs of recruiting and re-recruiting in the face of the disruptive aftermath that we've all been through. And there's a lot to uncover. Of course, we're not going to be able to get to it all. And that's not our intent. But hopefully what we'll do is talk about some things where you'll find some practical tips to help you out. Since odds are, I would venture to guess that if you're at a company working, that your business has some job openings right now. Mm -hmm. So, Chaz, let me ask you this regarding recruitment. How have your recruitment experiences been over the years? Does anything stand out to you as being memorable or maybe yeah. something you want to forget about? Yeah, yeah. so this that's a really good question. Uh, and, and I know that there are a lot of people that have felt this way in the past, but uh, I'm not going to disparage any company or any of my previous employers because this is not directed at any of them. But what's interesting is I remember stepping out of college, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, um, I'm, I'm not going to age myself, but it was a very, very difficult time to get a job. And what we were sold, quote unquote, sold in high school is if you get a college degree, you're you know, you're going to get a job, but then 2008 happened. And I mean, you get it. Well, I just said I wasn't going to date myself and I just did. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so what was really, really frustrating about that whole process was the lack of communication back to me when I was applying for jobs. I mean, mm -hmm. literally just trying to apply for a job that was in my requirements. It didn't matter what the position was. Um, I did have some categories on where I would like to start and move to, um, you know, so it wasn't me just casting a, an oversized net. I was casting a wide net, but it wasn't anything gargantuan, right? So, um, you know, I could have limited myself there, but what was more frustrating than anything is, you know, you would follow up week two later, and then all of a sudden you get an email a month and a half later, or, okay. you know, there, there was, there was a, a company that sent me one a year after I applied for the job. Oh I'm not kidding. It was a year. And I was just like, okay, at that point I had already found a job, right? Um, so yeah, that's it, a bad look though. And, and what that does is it makes you remember that company in mm -hmm. all, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, what's crazy is, is it's a great company to work for, but it, 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 you know, I don't know if it got hung up or if somebody just didn't send it, if there was a transition in the recruiter, whatever that looks like. Right. But, um, you know, I, I personally, just as a, as a side note, it was extremely frustrating. There was no follow-up, there was no guidance. Um, and it wasn't until I, I found a job with a, a friend of mine who I was actually volunteering as, as a baseball coach at my, you know, former high school and a guy that, played for my dad 
um, his son was playing for me and then he offered me a job. It's a crazy story, but um, he hired me as an outlier. So, uh, you know, go beyond the requirements, go beyond the job description. I'm a huge fan of hiring outliers. Uh, I've got several success stories from others that, that we've coached on hiring outliers and what to look for. But Julie, a year to get an email or follow up, like, come yeah. on. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually just really embarrassing. So, yeah. Um, and, and I think really important as we talk about recruitment in today's day and age. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah. that's great. So let's let's dive in HR and recruiter view. Okay, um, topic one. It's it's automation and visibility. Okay, yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. So recruiters, this is a little bit different for you. You know, so often um, you kind of just get told, "Hey, fill fill the position." Right. Um, unless you're looking for like a high end manager or executive level position, uh, you know, from from people that we've talked to, it's get the role filled. So how do we how do we address that? Right. Like, how do we just get the role filled or how do we find better talent? So the first piece of this is going to be automation and visibility. We often share um, requisitions, but we don't know where they're being posted or being stored. So, you know, the cool part about this is we're going to tell you to have a high list or have a list of those high turnover positions and keep a requisition open with the general job requirements, right? Yep. I think what's more important to this, Julie, is too often we get stuck on the internal promotion path. So if there is an uh, open requisition, I know you have a great story about this, yeah. but if there's an open requisition, you know, obviously we want to look internally, but it doesn't always mean that that's the person you should put right. in the job. Julie, tell right. me. Right. <laughs> well, we've, we've heard too, you know, let's say you have a managerial position open um, sure. and you have great lower level employees. A lot of times employers think, oh, uh, well, this person's an awesome employee at this position. So the, of course they're going to excel and shine <laughs> um, mm -hmm. in, a, in a higher position. But where we, I think sometimes as HR and business professionals fail is we don't provide those folks the tools and the training that they need in order to succeed in those higher level positions. We sort of assume and right. we take, it's, it's almost like taking an easy way out. And, you know, somebody who sort of knows the ins and outs of the company. So of course they're going to excel. But right. so I've, I, so a story there is, yes, I have, I have dealt with that many times and I, I'm guilty of doing the promotion to management when maybe uh, that person wasn't quite ready. But I think the other thing that we need to think about when it comes to internal promotion, mm -hmm. uh, one of the, the blunders that I made was sort of targeting groups of employees that I thought would be the ones who should apply to a certain position and right. maybe leaving other groups of employees out. So you know, that it, it wasn't in a discriminatory way. It was more in a qualifications kind of way. Right. Um, so if we required a certain uh, training or a certain certification for somebody to have, you know, um, it was targeting that group of employees. And what I learned and some of the feedback that I got was, oh, hey, I wanted to apply for that job, but I wasn't aware that it was made, that it was even a thing. Right. So that so that's something that uh, which is quickly, another problem, right? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I quick and and you know when you talk about hiring outliers, I I, I struggle with that term outliers. Um, the unexpected. Then. Yeah. How about, yeah, how about you yeah. choose that? You know, yeah, something but, that doesn't always fit all the requirements or all, you know every aspect of the description. 
Yeah. I'll give you an example. My wife was a math teacher and got hired as an implementation consultant, something completely different. But the job she was doing was a lot of calculations. Right. And ultimately that, I mean, that played in her favor. And now she, you know, she, she's moved up in the world of, of what she does. And I just, you know, it's a prime example of, of someone took a look and like, man, you're a math teacher. You want to come work for a tech company? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I could have used her help in college. I was really, really bad in math. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> um, but you know, I think just when we're when we're internally promoting positions and and promoting folks from inside, we need to really make sure that we're using care and doing so. Which yeah. really leads us to another point, which is how often. And you can ask yourselves to those of you listening. If you do recruiting or you, you work alongside recruiters or folks who are hiring managers, how often do you evaluate the hiring practices that you have? Like, for example, yeah, for example, um, applying for a position or applying for a job on your own system. As a, as a, as a quote unquote new hire. Yeah. Right? yeah Just to yeah. be clear. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, like how often do folks go in and pretend like they're applying? Um, yeah. I'm not saying this is something that you have to do every day or every month even. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we have to make sure that we are looking at all of the different avenues that we're using to recruit mm-hmm. and seeing is, and seeing whether or not uh, it's easy for folks to provide the information. Would you agree? Right. Yeah. You you think about it, uh, timing, going back to some of the points that we've made with time in a, in a prior episode, What what is time and how is it important to mm-hmm. your employees, right? I think about mobile. I think about the one-click application. I think about LinkedIn apply where I can use my profile. Uh, what about the information recruiters are cr- requesting? Is yeah. there duplicate info? Yeah, Go yeah. Ahead. That information thing, sorry to interrupt, but that no, information thing is super important, right? Because <laughs> how much information do you really need? Ask yourself that. And you should really be capturing the most minimal information mm-hmm. in order to make a decision as to whether or not you can move forward with a candidate for a job that you're looking to fill. Yeah, it's how much info do I really need to know if it's a qualified candidate, right? Right. Don't, and of course, with that, don't make your interviews nine rounds. I mean, right. you know, the, yeah. the, use the interview for an appropriate, you know, an appropriate amount of time. But, but it, to your point, Julie, if I'm applying for a job, me personally, if I go and apply for a job and it takes me longer, and and I'm being generous, fifteen minutes. You know, for some, I mean, that that's a long time, right? Especially when the one click is available now. I mean, that's, that's wild to me, right? We live in a culture where we need instant gratification. We need things quickly. We want to have decisions quickly. Mm -hmm. And that includes during the recruitment process. What what else do you think is a major factor if if someone is going to apply for a job? What is what else is a major factor from external presence, Julie? Oh, branding for sure. Yeah, um, social I media agree. presence. Um, yep. Making sure that you're keeping up with what's going on on Glassdoor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are people saying about your organization? Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I probably, I will share this story probably several times, but that was something years ago that I wasn't even aware that Glassdoor was a thing. And then, oh, wow. uh, yeah, well, this is years ago. Um, but then I went on there and I was like, oh, okay. Well, some of the folks who were terminated had a few things to say about me and the company. <laughs> Not that I did anything wrong, but we all know if you look at Yelp or look at any of those review sites, you know, 
folks are going to, uh, those that have negative experiences are, are more uh, prone to leave some mm-hmm. sort of comment, some sort of review, uh, right. rather than the folks who have positive experiences. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the ratio, but it's, it's for, it takes five good experiences to write a review versus one negative, negative experience to write a review. Don't quote me on that, but it's, <laughs> it's something like that, right? So that was th- a bonus business out of the day. Oh man, I, yeah. <laughs> if, if it, yeah. I think the other, like the end all be all with this, Julie, is we, we really have to take everything into consideration, right? So for our managers and applicants, we've got to simplify our views. So for managers, for instance, um, you know, is there operational gaps? Like, let's start there. Do they have any operational gaps? And and that then forces the open requisition. Are they understaffed? That's where it all starts. Operational gaps, and then it goes to understaffed or more efficiency. Like, there's literally only two paths there. And then the applicant view, right? Uh, I think about how easy is it for me to read the requisition, put my information in if I need to, and then be done with it. Now, on the flip side for the manager, how quickly is it for them to be able to request a new requisition? Yeah. Right. Some organizations don't allow managers to request new requisitions. And I always challenge that because I'm like, are, are you out on the floor every day? Are you yeah. reading the data every day from a production perspective? Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But managers know when their teams are on the verge of burnout or really struggling or production is down. And and there are things that you can navigate to help them get people on the line. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Um, yeah, the worst is uh, as an applicant when they somebody asks for a resume and then they also ask you to fill in the information uh, that you literally just so provided in the resume. Oh my gosh, yeah. please, folks, if, if there's anything you take from this episode, please don't do that. You know, the mm-hmm. other thing, Chaz, that I think we need to touch on very briefly is to say, is to learn what are your competitors doing in terms of oh, recruitment? Yeah. yeah, spot on. Um, and are you uh, up to par with the ease and the efficiency of what your competitors? And the way that you can check that out is go apply to a job or fake apply to a job, right? right I mean, right. we're not suggesting that you do that often. We're just saying, hey, you know, check it out, check out their process, see how it goes, and mm-hmm. see if your process is up to par too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Julie, that really kind of closes us out, right? It, it's yeah. short, sweet and effective. But the bottom line is we, if we are going to continue to, to go down this path of, of more jobs than people, recruiters actually are the key holders here. They play a huge, they have a huge advantage and, and they have an opportunity to really make changes for easier, more efficient and better recruiting, uh, in the days ahead. So Jules. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. I think the bottom line, Chaz, is that we need to make a change now for better recruiting moving forward. And That's if, we, if, if we make a change now, it's going to make our lives easier moving forward. So That's right. let's talk about what we found our purpose in today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think today we found our purpose in knowing that we can make our lives easier by using automation in recruitment. That's right. Uh, we also found our purpose in, in a tough job market. You need to be the standout experience and see what people are saying. Recruiters are the face of your organization, right? They're they're the first people that you know your your applicants come in contact with, right? And when a person chooses to work for your company, so they hope to see themselves working for your company. So make sure that you provide that standout experience. Absolutely. And I think also we need to remember that your employer brand and your external presence, your social media presence, vital to a positive recruitment experience for the candidate and for you. 
That's right. Uh, Julie, that wraps us up, right? Hey, yeah. we, we did it. Just a few reminders before we leave. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Use the hashtag PeoplePurposePod on social media sites like Twitter and LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you. And make sure you check out the latest blogs and research from the Workforce Institute by UKG and visit them at theworkforceinstitute.org. Julie, always a pleasure. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. See y'all.